guys. Welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where we talk about all the things that make this stage in life so fun and so complicated. We talk motherhood, we talk self-care, and we talk second chapters, which is just little pivots, changes people have made in life, in their lives when something big has happened or when they felt called to do so. Today's episode is so filled with good information that I like literally can't stand it. <laughs> Dr. LaCrystal Warren is an OBGYN who practices in the Orlando, Florida area. And today's episode is all about you guys. It is pretty much derived from questions that you all sent me on Instagram. By the way, I love you. You're the greatest. Your questions were super interesting. Um, I wanted to put a conversation out there that was of use to you guys and was answering questions that were applicable to your life and your stage right now. So in this first episode, because it's so good, we had to break it down into two parts. We are talking all about pregnancy, infertility, secondary infertility, and other issues surrounding bringing other humans into this world. Dr. Warren has been in practice for quite some time. She was my OBGYN for my my first baby. Um, so I am just, I mean, I'm crazy about her personally. She's a wonderful human, but she's also one of those doctors that you can go in and, and just open up your heart to about whatever is happening in your body and in your mind. And you're going to get not only good advice, but just a really kind, like, cool, chill vibe. And I feel like that is a big part that's missing in medicine with women sometimes. Sometimes we want a little shoulder to cry on. Sometimes we want someone who like, you know, can go in there and ball their eyes out about not getting pregnant. Wink, wink. <laughs> to me. Dr. Warren's laughing in the background. It's true. Um, she's amazing. And I'm so honored that she took time to spend a while with us today. She herself is pregnant with her second child, a little girl. She's already got a son who's almost two. So Dr. Warren is super busy. And that's why I'm even more grateful that she came in to answer all of these questions. So again, this is the episode where we're talking everything baby, freezing eggs, getting pregnant, IUI, IVF, other ways of getting pregnant. We even talk vaginal tearing during birth. I want to just put this out there because I know sometimes people listen with kiddos in the car. There's no swearing. It's just like maybe minimal swearing, and it's from me. <laughs> but we do get into um, information that is uh, very specific. So if you don't like your children hearing some medical terms to describe what happens or how babies come into this world, this is not the episode to have on or, uh, during school pickup or drop-off. It is fantastic, though, so make sure you come back and listen if you happen to hit pause. Um, we're going to get right to it, and again, this is part one of Dr. LaCrystal Warren, OBGYN, here in the Orlando area, answering everything when it comes to your reproductive health. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I'm one of those rare people that people hate. I don't gain weight during pregnancy. Really. Are you? Stop it. So I mean, you've not gained anything? Two pounds. What? Okay, why does that happen? I think that my, bo my baby is just taking everything I already have. <laughs> Welcome to mother. <laughs> you know this already. Just like with baby. I've gained Just weight. like the baby gained, that's already on earth. I gave, I gained 28 pounds with my first wow. baby, but then I lost it's nothing. I was back to pre-pregnancy two weeks when he was two weeks old. That's insane. And then I won't say I had the best diet while breastfeeding because I didn't. And I probably could have lost more weight, but I, I, but you did what you needed to do because you were hungry yeah. and feeding another person. And then kind of once I got pregnant, like, not really hungry. Yeah. And I Man, do the best I can. I feel like I should introduce you. Yes, I love you so much that I just feel like we're catching up. Okay. So I did the intro already, guys. You know who you're hearing from. This is Dr. Crystal Warren. She is an OBGYN based here in the Orlando area. So if you're in the area, you may know her and her practice, Contemporary Women's Care. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Warren, you were my doctor for yes. my first 
baby. I was. We're all board certified OBGYNs, all female in Winter Park. In a Winter Park, call us. Yeah, and you know what, guys? Okay, so this is this is for my local ladies only, but I do have to say this. If you're looking for someone, I just loved your vibe from the beginning. This is why I call you back. And I'm going to explain why I switched because it was very a tactical, practical thing more than like, I was so sad. I switched seven months into my second pregnancy because I was going for a VBAC. And at the time you guys didn't have enough doctors on staff to send Mm -hmm. someone to watch me Mm -hmm. at the hospital or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but I was so sad. I was like, do I have to leave you? And (laughs) and just as an aside, we never take that personally. I don't take that personally. If you don't like me, if you, don't if you if if our your needs aren't met at our practice we don't take it personally and we take you back too if like we have some people that leave back we have people that leave and they want to have their babies with midwives and then they come back to us for gy and care that's fine love it i love it yeah it's it's just such a young like um you get us vibe which is why i called you back for this i've like interviewed Mm -hmm. you several times since Mm -hmm. um i started on my own ventures here and the last segment we did was on youtube it was all the questions you wanted to ask your ob (laughs) we're too embarrassed and it was such a roaring success. It turns out people have a lot of questions that they are embarrassed to ask face to face. And I love that um, we have this opportunity to do this because like you're like a friend and also like a real, like you're like a really smart credentialed (laughs) friend. (laughs) It's nice. I find it to me. I don't think people are embarrassed to tell me anything because sometimes I think people tell me a little bit more than I need to Stop. Tell me, can you tell me what they tell you? We won't use names. Oh, well, that they have multiple sexual partners freely, people in open marriages, people have sex rings. I mean, wait, like, what is a sex ring? So interestingly, what? that was that was my <laughs> partner's patient. Okay, tell me more. But basically, there's a group of people and they have sex with each other, <gasps> and they come in routinely and they get their 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 testing and everything. Do they come get tested together too? Well, we just see the women. I don't know what the men do. But. Oh my god, this is so juicy. So people tell me that stuff. They tell us about you know. Everything. Everything. I mean, you probably hear relationship (laughs) problems. Oh, well, we hear a lot of relationship problems. uh, Husbands uh, cheating on wives (sighs) with uh, prostitutes finding out because you guys because of text messages and cash app. I mean, come on. I mean. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, it's super, super dumb, right? People pay their prostitutes via Cash App. Yes, they do. Wow. Well, you deserve to get caught. (laughs) Yes, they do. For the record, you are dumb in more ways than one. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. So we hear that. So it it surprises me that there are things that people are embarrassed about. Um, I find that our patients seem to be more comfortable and mm. like we get a, I, we get a lot of breakdowns, you yeah, know, when people sure. come in and I broke down mm-hmm. in your office multiple <laughs> times. I did when I was trying to get pregnant, I came in. Yeah. So that's another, that's another thing when people think they can't get pregnant because their friend got pregnant in one month. Yes. And that was me. Yeah, okay. That's, so that's everybody. Let's just like hit rewind <laughs> for a minute. Cause I want to talk about like our history. I just, uh, like I said, I've always felt comfortable with you, but I was trying to get pregnant with our first and the same thing. I, I couldn't, it was nine months at the end of the day she it took could. that long I could well I she did could. you know she thank could God. It, it can take up to one year of right. unprotected sex for women under age 35 to become pregnant and people don't like that but that is statistics right <laughs> damn science <laughs> I just want things when I want them Dr. Exactly. Warren that's too much to ask that's not how it works <laughs> yes <laughs> well it's you know it's one of those things I feel like so many women at this stage of life can relate because Absolutely. we always say we spend all of our 20s trying to not get pregnant Correct. you know I mean Correct. usually um, um, some people get pregnant earlier but you know then you hit a certain point where you want to start a family you're like what the hell is this so I always tell my patients I said you have been told your whole life that if you have unprotected sex you get pregnant but it's not really true it's really not and And I felt like everywhere I turned someone was pregnant it's harder than it looks to get pregnant 
each month you only have about a 20 to 25 percent chance of getting pregnant and that decreases with age um and it's just that's not commonly known yeah, so. I, that seems low to me, and I'm a mother three times over. I still am like, what? but it's That's it's it's still harder than it looks. Yeah. You know, there's there's a five day window, mm-hmm. maybe less, and it's it's hard to get pregnant. Okay, so, so let's start here. I have mm-hmm. a bevy of fantastic questions. <laughs> okay. By the way, guys, okay. I should say this at the outset. If you are in the car with young people, we are going to be using words that might not be appropriate for their tender ears. Um, they're not going to be bad, but, you know, we are with a doctor here, and we're not ashamed to... It's um, an adult conversation. It's an adult conversation. We're, we're going to go there. So you've been warned. I don't think I have an E mark, an explicit mark on my show, but um, yet, but um, just a, just a fair warning. Okay, but I let's let's start here. I, so I broke down these questions. Sure. We have questions on um, intimacy, people's sure. relationships, sure. how to connect. We have questions on sexual health. We have questions on pregnancy, infertility, delivery, mm-hmm. the whole gamut, everything. But I want let's start here since we're already like getting going pregnant. this direction, getting pregnant. Yes. Yeah. So twenty to twenty five percent, and that's if things are perfect. Perfect. That's every. That's normal. That's, and okay, that's life. so what's the upper end of that age bracket where it's that easy and at what point does it become statistically more difficult to start getting pregnant so our fertility starts to decline at age 30 which scares people but it's not like a drastic drop off mm-hmm. okay at age 35 you're considered advanced maternal age but really over age 40 is when you're really going to see the drastic you know you have like a five percent chance of getting pregnant right but there are a lot of people on this earth so five percent of billions is still a lot of the people so i mean don't take that to mean because some people take that to mean you can't get pregnant over age 40 but you can Mm -hmm. but usually about 42 43 i mean you're talking a one percent chance of getting pregnant but it's not it's not impossible (laughs) i have to say this like i have a friend and and i'm not obviously going to say the name but like she has become like urban legend in the area because she had uh, i i feel stupid for not knowing the name of the procedure but she got fixed so she couldn't get pregnant a tubal a tubal she had her tubes tied had her tubes tied. yes hello sunny yes welcome to my (laughs) professional show um and he had a vasectomy but she still got pregnant so there's a one percent failure rate on which end? Both. Oh my God! I said that child was meant to be here. That's all. God that, that, wanted that's that all, kid that's here. all it has to be. Now we'll say for vasectomies, they have to go back for their confirmatory test. Yes. And if they don't do that, then you can't say whether or not it actually took because okay. it can fail. Sure. And then even if it's done perfectly, there's a one percent failure rate. And then for tubals, we always quote one percent failure rate. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Say we are we're career women. We like to go mm-hmm. out and do our own thing in the world. We're mm-hmm. not necessarily in the family way yet, but we want to make sure our bodies are optimally primed sure. for the time when we do do that. So what are things we need to be doing diet-wise and lifestyle-wise to uh, make our fertility it's, where it needs to be? It's a good question. Um, everybody should maintain a healthy diet and lifestyle. Like that's really all. Sh- everybody should eat right and exercise. Whether or not that's going to affect your fertility, we don't know. Of course, Everybody's worried about being infertile. There's no test we can do to see whether or not you can get pregnant. You just have to try. If you're under 35 and you've tried for a year, then we recommend evaluation, unless you have irregular periods. If you're over 35, we recommend evaluation after six months. Um, if y- You can always come in and talk to us for what's called preconception consult. And then basically what we do is just talk to you about your life. Make sure you don't smoke. ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they recommend that women of childbearing age don't drink at all. I think that's outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can socially drink, but obviously you don't want to be an alcoholic. Sure. And the reason that they recommend that is because we don't know how much alcohol is okay and what would mm-hmm. lead to fetal alcohol syndrome. Obviously, we don't recommend drugs. 
exercising, not being overweight. So people don't realize being underweight or overweight actually impacts your period, which impacts your fertility. So often people that are too thin or too obese have difficulty getting right. pregnant. I had a question specifically about freezing of eggs. I yes. know so many people yes. who have done this. Yes, um, and that's newer technology, so don't feel bad if you didn't do it. Sure. So Yeah, e okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, at what age is it a good idea? It's reasonable. The younger, the better. The, oh, really? the younger, the better. However, if you are in a position where you have a man and you can get pregnant, you should just do it. Right. If you can swing What if they're it. single? If you're single, then the earlier the better to get a consult with what's called a reproductive endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. And it costs money, and you have to do hormones, but you have your eggs. It's called cryopreservation. And they freeze them. And then when you meet Mr. Wright, no matter what your age, you can thaw them out, and in, um, you can inseminate with sperm. Mm -hmm and you can get embryos. And right. then those embryos will be the age that you were at those eggs. Oh, your, your uterus- freezing time. Your uterus does not age. So that's why you hear about women that are 60 years old it still works. So that is, that is not fair. The one thing that doesn't age <laughs> is locked inside of our bodies. Right. You don't need it later. It doesn't age. So you can technically still okay. get pregnant no matter what sure. your age. Like you can do IVF. There's age limits in this country. That's why people go to other countries because of course, as you get older, you have what's called comorbidities, which is other illnesses that can make pregnancy more difficult. So when you meet Mr. or Miss Wright and you want to start your family, the mm -hmm. egg will be the age you were when you harvested. Right. If you can see my body language right, right. now, I'm like pointing yes. around so, my whole lower so, half. <laughs> so usually what happens is people are like 32, 33. They have just like, you know, been in a professional profession, they've got their money, they're, you know, they're just waiting on the waiting on waiting on Mr. Right. And so that's usually the time. And so let's say they freeze their eggs at age 32, but then they get married at 37. Then. So let me ask you this. You mm -hmm. said there's hormones involved. Uh -huh. Would this involve daily shots? Yes. And it's it's the, the same process as, as, if IVF. as IVF. Okay. Yes. So you're giving yourself a hormone shot yes. and, and you're, then at the you're, end of that, you're har they're harvesting Correct. The you're priming your ovaries to produce eggs. And usually the younger you are, the more eggs you'll get. And what's a good number for eggs at the end of that, in your medical opinion? Or is there no there, right number? Well, there's a good number. The younger you are, and I will be completely honest, I have not done what we call REI, reproductive endocrinology, since residency. So that's about eight years. But I remember like 18 to 20 being a mm -hmm. good number mm -hmm. for a young person. And like the older you are, the less you usually get. Sure. At the time I was in residency, cryopreservation was not as widely advertised. Mm -hmm. We really only did what was called oncofertility. We only did cryopreservation for people that were about to undergo chemotherapy because they had cancer. Okay, so it was um, used but in a different way. In a different way because then. it was kind mm -hmm. of experimental. We know that embryos freeze better. So if you have a man and you just for whatever reason don't want to be, or if you're in a same-sex relationship and you get a, a, semen, a donor, a donor mm -hmm. you can freeze embryos. You can harvest your eggs. You can inseminate them. Mm -hmm. You can see how many embryos you get, and you freeze them, and they freeze indefinitely. And then you thaw them out and put them back in. It's Is there an age you think, like, just say someone's 35, do you want to say, okay, get in and do this sooner, if, if a family is something you want? Is sure. it like a sooner I, the better thing? It just it seems it, like a lot of money is why I ask. And, it is. and that was the question. It was well, like, it's usually it's a big investment. It's usually cost prohibitive. Usually most people don't have the thousands to do it. Right. But if you can, yes. And so something I try to mention, everybody doesn't want kids, which is okay. But something I try to mention at the Well Woman exam, your annual PAP, is is this something you're interested in? Don't wait too long. Mm -hmm. You know, because people get 
lulled into a false sense of security by celebrities having babies at 48 and 50, not realizing what they did to get right. pregnant. Right. Yeah. That I they, mean, they, they, they didn't just go have sex and get pregnant. That doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm all for people. You know, there are elements of our stories that we all like to keep close and protect. Sure, but sure, sometimes sure, sure. it feels irresponsible to be like in Hollywood or be in, in a high profile place and just be mm -hmm. like, you know, I just got pregnant it's, the first time. I'm it's like, none, no. It's none of our business. However, it's our job to educate right that the chances right. of you just going out and meeting a guy and getting pregnant at 48 are not really high not really high okay i'm closing this chapter in a second but i have sure. to ask ballpark cost you said thousands are we talking i honestly don't know Do you i suggest think it's people, like, like six thousand okay and but we google 6, like are you comfortable with the with the um companies that you find if yeah. people are just to do if like you a just google go, search or you something? go to like like here like center for reproductive medicine okay. or advanced reproductive technology like if you google fertility doctor mm -hmm. Any fertility doctor would be able to do this for you. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on. I, I'm taking so many notes. And you can do you can do a consult. So a lot of people don't know. You can just come and talk. You don't have to commit. Sure. Like you can find out what you have to do. And but then, it works. If, then, if the pro it works for and, so many yeah. people. And I don't know if they have payment plans, but they might. Okay. And then they might have like care credit. Like they might have ways for you to do it. Okay. But if it's something that you can do, but I think most people don't do it because of cost. Sure. And then just a, a quick plug, if you're very, very young, like under 30, you can consider being an egg donor. Make for people. You can make money. <laughs> they pay you, I think, around $8,000. Per egg? Uh, no, 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 no. For the process. Oh, <laughs> Well, for the okay. Pro for the process. But the same thing where they inject right. you, you... Yes, you have to okay. do the whole thing, but basically you're freezing the eggs, but they're not for you. They're for right. someone else who needs an egg donor for right. various reasons, for age, for genetics, for different things like that. Interesting. Okay, um, getting pregnant uh, the natural way mm -hmm. um, we talked about this um, most people do not 90 percent of people 90 percent only why didn't it feel like that when i was having a full-on breakdown in your because office because you just didn't understand because you didn't like you this. didn't want to wait because all women are type a control freaks and they're like but i wanted to get pregnant in april and you're like but that's not how it works. don't you feel too like after becoming a mom <laughs> that that is one of the biggest lessons of motherhood yes. is the lack of control you right. have over the process i hate Correct. when people say well they're your kid or you're yeah. i'm like yeah. Like I, like, like I tell my patients, every pregnancy, every kid is, is different. Everyone All is kids different. do what they want. Sure. And yes. Inside and out. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and and we'll get to this down the line, but how they come into the world is different. You know, uh -huh. the process of delivery and mm -hmm. whether it's a C-section or a vaginal birth, it's mm -hmm. just all so different. So mm -hmm. it's good to know that there are professionals out there who understand, okay, what worked for this person is not going to work for this person. You don't really try to shove, a, you know, a certain formula down people's throats, which is good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So say we're at a year we haven't gotten pregnant naturally at mm -hmm. any part at mm -hmm. any age in the age range sure. um what do we do next so you can either make an appointment with your OBGYN or you can actually call up any fertility specialist and get a consult do you suggest they go like straight to IVF it depends from that on, it depends not IVF there's a lot of things before IVF there's IUI there's IUI there, there first there's ovulation induction there's just medicine to help you ovulate and then you for people that don't get their period regularly and then you can either do what's called timed intercourse we just send you home and you have sex and get oh, pregnant we, like a prescription we can do that go back we, we can do that in the office that wait is, people have sex in your office no oh. we, we can prescribe that we can just prescribe that medicine I was like, I don't want to go back into that exam room. So we that is that is for people. Like okay. I know a common thing is something called polycystic ovarian syndrome yes. that people are concerned about. If you don't ovulate or get your period regularly, typically, you know, we do a full workup to make sure there's nothing else going on with your thyroid or make sure there's mm -hmm. nothing, you know, 
that's causing any other problems. But if you're like 28 and you're just like, I'll only get my period every six months, we can give you a medicine to help you. That's a thing. We can give you uh, her face. Uh, um, we can give you a medicine to ovulate. And then we tell you to go have sex and get pregnant. Okay, so that's one uh, medication to in, uh, induce ovulation. It's called ovulation induction. The two most common medicines are Clomid and yes, Letrozole. Got it. IUI is another one. Intrauterine and then intrauterine insemination. insemination. And so you can do that with Clomid and Letrozole. And instead of doing timed intercourse, we put we give you what's called an HCG trigger shot. Actually, this REI specialist does that. And then then they put the sperm in right then. That makes you ovulate. And that's like a big needle that they just. Like um, how do they get that puppy in there? No, it's a straw. It's like a, it's like a, a needle. It's like, like a coffee straw. Okay, and, and that's and an in-office procedure. Yes, and and it's threaded through your cervix, okay. and then the the your husband has to or your partner has to leave a sample or the sp or the sperm donor, and it's spun down, and then they put it in, and it's to make the egg in the. So you come in sperm. when you're ovulating yes. and go so, into the office. So when you do it, so you can do a natural cycle. Or you can do an HCG right. trigger. The HCG trigger makes you ovulate okay. so they can time it. And then okay. they know when to bring you in. So IUI is another option. Mm -hmm. And then you and go then, IVF. And then IVF. Okay. So, so that's, IVF, that's IVF is, is, is last. Right. So you would run through those other two options. Depending on what the that. cause of your fertility infertility is. Okay. Interesting. And obviously we want to mention this too. I mean, you, we said this already. Everyone's experience is different. I personally always think it's a good idea to go into your, um, your PCP, your primary care physician, and get a workup, get a blood lab. Like, know what you're you mentioned the thyroid there's so yeah. many things that you can can, you can know your health. thyroid but your female hormones don't count so don't check those oh why because Tell they more there's nothing that we can do so your estrogen your progesterone your lh and your fsh for a normally menstruating woman mm -hmm. are going to be widely variable depending on the day and where you are in your cycle sure and it's not like your thyroid where if they're abnormal you can just give a medicine and fix it so there's no utility into that it becomes useful if we're worried that you're in early menopause. That's the only th thing, which is extremely rare. Don't worry about that. Okay, so you're saying sometimes ignorance is bliss. We might it won't, know. It won't do anything. It so, won't do anything. So checking okay. your estrogen, it can be between 5 and 200. It doesn't matter. And, and you've seen people get pregnant across the range of whatever. So the thing about this, this is a great question. So we don't check those things on people that get pregnant. Yeah. So we only look into things for people that can't get pregnant or are having trouble. And the thing about it is, is that's not part of the workup. Right, okay. Because it doesn't tell you anything. Because if you get your period, then your hormones are normal. Oh, that's so many factors that go into this. Yeah. I feel like it's not fair that we've got to shoulder all of this. But most people get pregnant, though. <gasps> yes, yes, you're right. The lucky people <laughs> who are able to. and 90%, so 10% infertility rate. And then there's an entire specialty where you have to do your four year, you have to do your four years of med school, your four years of OBGYN residency, and then you do an additional fellowship for three to four years. I can't. I think it's four years. And those people, that's what a reproductive endocrinologist is. That's wow. all they do. That's the entire specialty. They don't deliver babies. They don't do anything except that. Okay. Get people pregnant. This leads into one very specific question. We got a woman asking about secondary infertility, Correct. which is having one child and Correct. then having trouble getting so pregnant a so, second yes. time. So primary infertility means you've never been pregnant. And then secondary infertility, which means you've been pregnant or had a baby. And then you are having trouble getting pregnant. What's happening there? Do you know the cause? I, a lot of times it's unexplained so basically she could have had a change in her cycle and she's not getting her periods 
She could have, it could be male factor, could be a different partner and it could be him. If it's the same partner, it could still be him. Hmm. And then 10%, it could be a tubal factor. And then 10% of the time it's unexplained. What are the tests that someone at that stage can run through? I read online, how many times do you hear this? And you hate me for saying this. I read online one time, Dr. Warren, that this girl did this test, the dye test. And it like opened up her pathways and she got pregnant. Part of the work. What's that test called? It's called a hysterosalpingogram, which is HSG. Okay. And so there's a so what that test is looking for is whether or not your tubes are open or blocked okay and so there is a theory that there could be a mucus plug that is moved when you do the test and then people get pregnant after that now do we do that just so people can get pregnant the answer is no but it's part of the workup sure at what point but that is also a thousand dollar test that's not covered by insurance so you can't just go and get it it's called the hsg test Uh okay it could be 500 to a thousand Mm-hmm. It's for someone in their 30s, because this is the 30-something podcast, who has a, who is experiencing secondary infertility. How many months out do you think they should be waiting to do something one like year, that? Still, if one, still if one if year, still. If they're under 35, if you're over 35, it's six months. Six months. months. Still, okay, you, so that stays you, firm. You no still matter. have to try. The, the thing is, is what people want us to do, which we cannot do, is tell them, if they will be able to get pregnant and when, and we cannot, Why? and the, and the pro- we can't. And so what people want to do, and they're like, but I want to get pregnant right now. Yeah, you're like, doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And yeah. then there's a lot of factors. Sometimes we talk to people and they're like, my husband travels. They don't yeah. have sex enough. Some people don't have sex enough to get pregnant. By the way, the unsexiest sex in the world is procreation sex, for the record. It's like a job. I remember being it's like, like a job. Uh, listen, and yeah. Andrew's like, let's go. That's yeah. my husband. I'm like, let's go. I know, but it works. It, I mean, you, you do have to know. Well, you have, that's called trying. So when someone says, well, I haven't used protection in 10 years, that's not trying. You have to actually try. Yeah, you do have to know. Do you suggest ovulation kits? Plus or, or, plus or minus. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The first thing I recommend is an app on your oh. phone, a fertility tracker. Okay. Or, I mean, most people, I mean... Most people aren't that familiar with the cycle to be able to use a regular calendar. Do you know, okay, I've always known the dates, like the start dates of my period. You should. But I did not understand like the cycle luteal phase. I mean, like, Mo- I, no one does. That's, that's what insane. we do. That's what we explain. But like, shouldn't we have a, li- I mean, and, and I'm saying this as we as a group and myself included, shouldn't we have a little more knowledge about our bodies? Well, like, let me tell you something. I every day get I asked which days of the month am I most fertile. So this is a very... Not well-known topic. 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. People do not understand how it works. I'll tell you this. I do not ho- know how I got pregnant with our third because I was two weeks. Unprotected I mean, sex. Well, I mean, it's really simple. <laughs> but no, listen, Dr. Warren, it's crazy because I have very regular cycles. Sure. TMI people. Sorry, if you have issues with blood or vaginas, like, uh, click off now. Um, I have a regular period. It's 28 days. You can set a clock by it. Mm-hmm. And the, the time that she was conceived was completely like in the safe zone. It was the weirdest thing. And so for the, someone the, with a normal cycle, it was perplexing to well, me. Well, the thing about it is, is most people, it's not perfectly 28. Sometimes it's 27, sometimes it's 29. And the thing is, is you retrospectively figure out when you ovulated. So that's why you right. have to have you sex. You only know after the fact, yeah. You, that's why you have to have sex multiple times during the fertile window because right. you don't actually know when you Jeez. ovulated. And okay. so you might think, I always ovulate on day 14, but that time you ovulated on day 12. And that's how you got pregnant. Well, I'm glad we did. Best surprise ever. <laughs> the morning that it was so weird too, because the morning, sorry, we're veering into personal territory for a second, but we were not. Our youngest was two and some change. And I was sitting on the couch one morning with her, and I was like, something compelled me to stand up and go take a pregnancy test. I was like, I think it might be late. I might not be late. I'm just going to do it. Like, it was like someone just lifted me up off, and I went and I peed on the stick, and I was like, holy 
shit. Like, what is this? What is this? And mm -hmm. it was perplexing to me. And I really, we were so out of the window that it's less than being people. You, you can think you know your body, but apparently so, you don't. So what I tell people is if you don't want to get pregnant, use birth control. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe a total crazy person. We're going to get to that too. <laughs> like I'm pretty, I'm pretty like intense as is, but whew, that was not pretty. Okay. So we covered secondary infertility. We yes. had, um, we're going to get into, oh wait, this is another quick pregnancy question mm -hmm. before we move on to birth and delivery. Do I really need to wait one year plus after giving birth before trying to get pregnant again? So the technical answer is yes, but it depends on your age. So ideally we recommend 18 months between deliveries. Okay. Okay. Now some- You have a nine month old and technically the- te Technically. Now, of course, we all went to school with someone that had brothers and sisters in every grade. So, of course, you know it's quote-unquote okay. But if you're planning it and you're able to, then it's better for your body to decrease the risk of preterm birth and mm -hmm. other complications. Okay. Most of the time it's fine, but it, that's usually unexpected. Sure. So if you're going to plan it, we would like you to at least – like if you wait one year to start trying, mm -hmm. then you'll have 18 months between deliveries. If you're 38 – then I say after the baby is six months, you can start right. trying. Also know that you will always pee when you sneeze if yes. you plan them that close together. Because stuff even if you don't, to, even if true. you don't, there's also there's also an entire specialty dedicated to that. Oh, we're gonna called get into called urogynecology. Yes. Oh my goodness. There's so many things happening with yeah. Us. We have, we have fellowships, so oh you can gosh. deliver babies or not. You can do just what we call pelvic floor reconstruction, urogynecology. You can yeah. do just reproductive endocrinology and infertility. You do just gynecology, oncology. Doesn't it speak to the complex, the beautiful complexity of women that there mm -hmm. are literally categories for different types of doctor under what you do? Mm -hmm. Like you have to do your four-year OBGYN residency and then you have to do an additional four-year fellowship. Yes. I think it's run wonderful. I mm -hmm. mean, we're, in, we're lucky to be alive in a time where we understand this much. There was mm -hmm. a time when we were just told to like, you know, go yes. sit in the so corner. Sorry, can't have get your pregnant. Baby. Yeah, sorry. That's it. Mm -hmm. So this is wonderful. Okay, let's get into birth. Um, mm -hmm. I have a question here that is um, from someone who had a, a vaginal birth. She says, can you talk about vaginal stitches? Mine didn't heal so wonderfully. Is sure. that common? No. Oh, God. It's not common. However, it is. How do you it, know if it they depends. didn't heal? Let me well, so that, that was going to be my next question. So it depends on what happened. So the chance of it getting infected, breaking down, not healing correctly is extremely low. Okay. And that is just, I don't know if it's mother nature. We used to have babies in the woods and we didn't have stitches. It'll just heal really no matter for the most part, unless it's a really severe tear, then it's likely going to heal no matter what we do. So okay. there's four degrees. Yeah. Let's go through the degrees here. Again, this is technical people. We're talking so, vaginas and buttholes here. So, so there's distance between so, so those yes. two. So there's a, there are two, there's three holes down there's there. There's three your, total. Your urethra, your vagina and your rectum. So between your vagina and your rectum is a space called the perineum or the taint. So that's taint what they call it. <laughs> so everybody has a different length of that, but your vagina and your rectum are actually very close. So if you have a vaginal delivery and you just have a little split in your vaginal tissue, that's a first degree. Mm -hmm. If it goes through the muscle of the perineum, that's a second degree. That's the most common tear that we get. Very common. Okay. And, e and unless it's pouring blood, we don't even really have to fix it. We do because we want to look nice, but it's gonna it's gonna heal anyway. Stitch we're gonna, it. We're gonna, that's what you mean by fix we it. We stitch it. We stitch okay. it. Third degree is gonna go through the it's the vagina, the muscle of the perineum, and part of the anal sphincter. Okay, and that's the that's what makes you be able to hold your poop. Yeah. Just part of it, just a little tear. So that 
the third and then the fourth goes all the way through. How it often goes, does that which, happen? Very rarely. Like okay. I've only had that like twice in 12 years. What is the so. mitigating factor of a one tear and a four tear? It really depends. It's your body type. Number one, it can be the size of your baby. It could be how fast you delivered. It could be the big, the head. Right. Sometimes babies come out with hands next to their head. Sometimes, I mean, you can't control all that. And so some of it is that now, one thing that contributes to that is cutting an episiotomy, which is not standard practice anymore. But Wasn't a lot of it for a time it was, and so older doctors do it. But what we found, so the thought then was that you would cut, and that would make a, a lesser tear. But actually, it makes it worse. But sometimes you have to cut it. That kind of makes sense if you think about like a, a piece of paper is more right. apt to tear when you it's already torn, right? Yeah, and it. so that can happen. But some people just have a short perineum. Some people have bad luck. Mm -hmm. Some people have just it's just they have a horrible delivery now if you have a third or a fourth degree you have a more of a chance that it won't heal correctly that's number one I mean number two technically I guess you could have a bad repair that would be unlikely with an OBGYN um, but possible and then sometimes it just is bad luck but most people their body is going to absorb the stitches they won't see them small amount of people, their body pushes the stitches to the surface, but it's still healed, but mm -hmm. people perceive that as it came apart. Sure. And these are stitches that are supposed to be dissolving, right? Always. So Always. what do we do if we're in the position where this woman seems to be, where she's aware that there could be an issue, maybe something feels different or looks in. different? Is that fixable? Well, no, <laughs> it depends. So basically... For the most part, like 99% of the time when someone thinks there's a problem, we just have them come in and we're like, oh, this is fine. So we actually don't recommend that you look, that you touch, that you do anything until you see us back. Because it looks horrible. If you look, you're <laughs> like, there has to be something wrong with this. But mm -hmm. there's not. And then let's just say it's been two weeks later and part of it did split. We can't put it back together. You have to do what's called let it heal by secondary intention. So you have to let it heal completely. And then you have to see what the deal is and then you'd have to take them to the operating room put them to sleep and fix it but we're not going to do that if you're going to have another baby so we just yeah. tell you to deal with it but that is very very uncommon and it's mostly cosmetic it's not functional sure now if you have a third or a fourth degree mostly a fourth degree if that's not repaired correctly you could get a fistula which is a connection between your rectum and your vagina and then poop comes through your vagina so that is a big deal that sounds like a big deal very uncommon okay because the tear is uncommon. And then we actually don't fix that. We send you to colorectal surgery and they fix it. Wow. I, these deal. are things. And I, then if that happens to you, the next time we recommend that you don't have a vaginal delivery, that you have a C-section. Sure. And, and I, yeah, like you said, important to mention, this is, this is uncommon. We should not, if we're pregnant out there, we don't want to freak you out. But it is good to know. <laughs> it's very uncommon. Please don't worry about that. Most people have a first or second degree. Right. The more kids you have, the less likely are you to tear. There's like, Just because you know, it's stretched out. There's the theory of, again, I'm doing hand motions that are, you can't see, but are, there's a theory out there that if you massage during labor, we right? We do. Does that help? Like the, the mm -hmm. tissue around the vagina? We do perineal massage, but everybody has different tissues. So some people swell more than others. Some people push longer than others. Some people have bigger babies than others. But even if you have a six pound baby, if you have a, what's called a small introitus, which is the opening to your vagina, then it's going to tear. Yeah. I mean, it's just how it works. But most people, it's still only a first or second degree. But whenever we have you push, that's why we encourage you to let the baby's head sit 
there as much as possible. Because it naturally. Because it stretches it. Stretches it. It's okay. usually not the head. Sometimes it is. I mean, absolutely. Sometimes we just see it tear to come out, but it's often the shoulder. After the head comes out, the shoulder has to come out. Sometimes the hand is up above sure. the head. I mean, those and are listen, by you that can't. point, you are just so grateful that your yeah, baby is it, coming you don't out. Care, that you're it's, just it's probably not, a, it's, not aware. It's just really not uncommon, right? So, like what we call an OBGYN, that's our bread and butter. Like to sew up a first or second degree. I mean, we can do all of them, but a first or second degree, that's routine. Like the last time I was on call, I did four deliveries. Everybody had a second degree. Wow, it's their first baby. That's normal, right? It's not anything that was out of the ordinary. Okay. I mean, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I, I read that question. I was like, there's got to be some variation. Mo on this most answer. of them heal. I have only, since including residency and practice, I've seen one infection. Okay, so. And that patient actually had a delivery outside and a repair by a midwife. So I don't know what outside happened. Outside of a hospital. Outside I of a mean. hospital. Okay. So I don't know what happened. All right. I didn't do it. So, so to put it to put a bow in this conversation, if it feels like this is a couple years out, I'm assuming, or at least a year, mm -hmm. if it still feels like something needs to be fixed, who's who's the first stop? The OBGYN always. or the it is OBGYN. Okay. So sometimes people after and she may be re uh, referring, some people are really good healers and they get what's called granulation tissue or they have like an extra piece of overhealed tissue and it hurts or it bleeds. And so it's common, I shouldn't say common, it's more common to have someone come in because they have pain with sex after having a vaginal delivery. Sometimes it was too tight. Sometimes there is- They, they sewed them up too tight? Sometimes, or it healed too tight. It healed too possibly. tight. Possibly. Or there's just like an extra piece of tissue. There's like a band and sometimes we cut that. We give them pain. We yeah. <laughs> I just flinched. I was like, we give pain medicine. <laughs> and then sometimes with the granula granulation tissue, we try to remove that to let that fall off. That happens sometimes. Well, it's good. This is that, fixable then. Yeah. I mean, that, it, to, th to an extent. That's that's like that. Now, some people do have a problem like that it's, we have to take them back to the operating room and revise their repair mm -hmm. but that is really that's uncommon rare. that's very very rare okay. but there can be some issues so she may have had some pain with intercourse there could have been a little extra band of tissue sometimes there's a gap um in the perineum mm -hmm. so i mean sometimes we can fix it okay but it's not really common but most of the time it'll heal with time but most people are not going to tolerate not being able to have sex for a year so we do something before that yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w I would guess that the partners would be happy that that's and they sometimes the individual sometimes would it's be the happy. patient it's not always the husband you okay? know what listen <laughs> and, and speaking of that that's a great segue because we're wrapping up this first portion but the next episode with dr warren is where we dig into all things intimacy sexual health pretty much non-baby related stuff you guys came up big with these questions so um yeah, so this is part one. Thank you guys for listening. Listen, here's the deal. I could talk to you for literally two hours on this, and I'm kind of upset that we have to wrap because I have some time constraints. i got to get to a donut party for the kids' school. But um, there are – if you're open to it, we'd like to bring you back, Dr. Warren. Sure. You're the best. I'll stalk sure. you. For, you know you. I will, too. <laughs> She's you know on her little Facebook messenger like, okay. hey. You can uh, text me. You have my phone <laughs> number now. Just text okay. me. Um, thank you for this. No this problem. was all things baby, all things pregnancy. Next episode, guys, we're diving into the juicy stuff when it comes to relationships and intimacy. So make sure you listen to that. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening.